Hello and welcome to Latino Vote 21, a pop-up podcast from Gotham Gazette featuring Eli Valentin. This is Ben Max from Gotham Gazette welcoming you to episode two of the podcast, which accompanies columns being published at Gotham Gazette under the same name, Latino Vote 21, by Eli Valentin, who is an adjunct professor at Union Theological and a political analyst. He's a former political consultant who's also worked in city and state government, and he's been a frequent columnist with us at Gotham Gazette in the past and now during this consequential 2021 New York City election season. In these elections, New Yorkers will be electing a new mayor of New York City, a new city controller, new borough presidents, many new city council members, a new Manhattan district attorney, and still more. In this podcast and the columns that accompany it, Eli Valentin is taking us inside the Latino vote, important trends, key endorsers, key races, and many more issues that are worth unpacking as New Yorkers, including Latino New Yorkers, have so much on the line in this election cycle. In the first episode of this podcast, Eli and I had an in-depth discussion about some of those topics, and you should find that at GothamGazette.com if you missed it. You can also find Latino Vote 21 as part of the Max and Murphy podcast stream wherever you get your podcast. Podcast. Max and Murphy is the podcast I've been hosting with Jarrett Murphy of City Limits for about five years, and it focuses on all things New York City politics. We're happy to be publishing this Latino Vote 21 pop-up podcast within that stream, and it will take us through the primaries happening in June and the fall general election to follow, where New Yorkers are electing this new class of city government representatives. In the upcoming discussion you're about to hear here in episode two, Eli Valentin and Bronx City Council member Rafael Salamanca dig into the Latino vote and the borough of the Bronx, which is home to the most Latinos of any borough in New York City. Here is their conversation. Enjoy. Welcome to our second episode of Latino Vote 21 a pop-up podcast from Gotham Gazette. I am Eli Valentin, a frequent Gotham Gazette columnist and political analyst. This podcast series accompanies my Gotham Gazette column series of the same name about the Latino vote and the consequential 2021 New York City elections. The Latino vote expected to be a little over 20% of the Democratic primary electorate across the city in the race for mayor and other citywide offices is pivotal. But it is also pivotal for a number of borough president and city council races across the city, and especially in the Bronx, El Condado de la Salsa, which I wrote about in my recent column for Gotham Gazette. Among the entire Democratic electorate in the Bronx, Latinos make up the largest share among all ethnic categories in the borough with 285,586 voters. The Bronx is, in overall population and voting population, the only Latino majority borough in the city of New York, making the Bronx a key locus for Latino political power and representation. As was once said among Bronx politicals, the road to City Hall starts in the Bronx. At least when it comes to the Latino vote, that may be the case. 
in many ways, the rise of Latino political representation in the Bronx begins with Herman Badillo's election to the borough presidency in 1965. Fernando Ferrell became the second borough president and the only Latino to receive the Democratic nomination for the mayoralty. And the Bronx continues to produce many Latino and Latina leaders representing the Bronx in Washington, D.C., Albany, and City Hall. One of those leaders joins us for this second podcast episode in our series, Latino Vote 21. We are honored to have with us today Councilman Rafael Salamanca. Councilman Salamanca represents the 17th Council District in the Bronx and is currently the chair of the very important Land Use Committee. Before winning election to the city council in a special election to replace Maria del Carmen Arroyo, Councilman Salamanca was district manager of Bronx Community Board 2, and he also served as the president of the 41st, sorry, precinct council. Councilman Salamanca, thank you for joining us. We are honored that you have joined us for this uh, podcast. So thank you so much, Councilman. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Uh, Councilman, I want to get right to it. Uh, the Bronx has been a pivotal borough when it comes to the rise of Latino political power. I mentioned uh, in my recent column and just now the, the election of Padillo as a sort of precursor to the rise that, that would ensue in Latino political representation. We see in the Bronx a growth in power that Latinos had not experienced up to that point, even though Manhattan and Brooklyn had elected some Latinos to party and legislative offices. But uh, when, when we think about the importance of the Bronx as, as a location where Latino uh, have in many ways come to power and, and political representation, I'm wondering if you can just provide some, some perspective, because in many ways you're the heir, right, uh, alongside others of, of this uh, paving of the way, if you will, from, from others like Badillo and, and the rest. So, so I'm wondering how you place yourself in that pantheon, right, of, of the great Latino uh, political leaders. And, and I'm just wondering if you can share a little bit about that. Yeah, first, you know, thank you for, uh, for having me. Um, you know, and I, and I guess, you know, your data is, is, is absolutely on point. You know, the Bronx, out of all five boroughs, the Bronx has the most Latinos uh, in the borough. Um, and, and as the years have passed, we've seen a transformation in terms of Latinos. Um, you know, maybe two decades ago, the predominantly Latinos in the Bronx were Puerto Ricans. Um, and now we're seeing that shift from Puerto Ricans over to Dominicans that are moving in. Um, and we're seeing that also in the, uh, in the change in the political power in different districts, how that, that representation is changing. Regard, needless to say, it's still a Latino borough. Um, you know, I am... Um, I, I, my parents are from Puerto Rico, born and raised here, you know, in, in New York and in the Bronx. And so, you know, I, I pride myself in ensuring that, especially at City Hall, when I'm when I'm working with the speaker, ensuring that number one, Latinos have a voice. We have a seat on the table. And this speaker has allowed, at least has allowed me, this Latino to do that, um, appointing me the chair of the Language Committee. I also, um, I sit on the budget negotiating team, uh, which is about 20 members out of 51 who negotiate the budget for the city of New York. Um, and, and I'm not the only Latino there. We have Carlina Rivera, Diana Ayala, um, uh, Antonio Reynoso, uh, Carlos Menchaca, uh, who sit uh, are part of the BNT. And, you know, and we ensure that Latinos are getting their fair share uh, um, when it comes to the budget. 
Um, and, you know, the speaker also gives us the opportunity, um, you know, when, when we're talking about legislation, especially legislation that may have an adverse effect on the Latino community in the city of New York, especially the Bronx. Well, I am glad you're there, and, and it, it, it is not lost on us observers um, that that you are the chair of the the land use committee, and and obviously have an important voice in in city budget matters. Um, you know, uh, New York City is is the is the city in the United States, right? Largest uh, population and a, a largest uh, legislative body, right? In 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 a municipality, so. So we are we are grateful you're there and 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 you have an important voice and you're raising that voice for for other Latinos. You, Councilman, you pointed to something that I I think often goes unsaid at least in public settings, uh, but is this dynamic that you allude to be, uh, with the rise of of the, the in the Dominican population and what that has meant in terms of of political representation and even voting participation. Um, so do, do you think that that um, there is um, does that mark a difference in terms of the importance in in the issues or I, or I should say or flip that around? Does it mark a difference in the issues that are important to um, Latinos? Are there any differences or is there a shared uh, common struggle uh, to put it that way, um, whether it's Puerto Rican, Dominicans or or any other uh, Latino uh, cultural heritage, right, in, in the Bronx. Well, how do you see that? Look, at the end of the day, we're all Latinos, whether we Dominicans, Puerto Ricans, um, you know, um, Garifuna community, I have a big Garifuna population. In, in, That's in, right. Uh, in my district, um, in the Mexican community as well. Um, you know, in our, in, our, in our home country, we may have uh, different political views there, but I, 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 what I've observed is, um, regardless of the views that we have in our own countries, right, in the in the Latin American country, we Latinos have the same issues here in mm. in, in the borough of the Bronx. You know, um, mm. in, in in terms of ensuring that we have a seat on the table, ensuring that the administration, whoever is the mayor, whoever is the governor, is paying attention to our issues that we may have uh, compared to other ethnicities. Um, and I'll give you a prime example. When I came to the city council. We all Latinos, uh, if you celebrate Christmas, then you celebrate uh, the Three Kings Day. And, you know, when and and I'm pretty sure for those of you that drive, there's something called alternate site parking that you have to move your car. And, you know, there's certain holidays that you don't have to move your car. And I'm, you know, and and, and everyone rejoices when those holidays come. You don't have to get early to move your car. Um, When I came to the council, I realized uh, that there were many holidays from different ethnicities, but we did not have a Three Kings Day holiday. Uh, where we did not have to move our car for alternate site parking. Um, and it took time to convince the administration to, to give us, you know, to, 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 to add Three Kings Day as part of the holidays where, you know, we don't need, there, there doesn't need to be alternate site parking. And that may, that may seem very small to, to someone, to, to many people, uh, but to the Latino community, um, it's just being heard and being represented and, and being respected that that holiday means something to us. Um, and that's just one prime small example of, you know, uh, us, the voices of Latino and how we can effectuate change uh, in city government. And, and, and that's very minor, uh, but that's just a perfect example oh. of what I had to go through. Oh, absolutely. And, and you point to something um, which, which I, I have always felt, which is that, that there, is, there is a common 
um, a, a shared struggle, um, irrespective of where we come from, right? Whatever Latin American uh, country we may come from, um, and you know, I, I include Puerto Rico there as as a, a Latin American country. Um, no, no political status or situation changes that very fact, right? But um, but I I I do share that. Um, I think there's an importance in coalition building, right, uh, across uh, all Latino backgrounds, and I think that that there's there's power in that, and there's um, I think. There's a lot of important work that needs to be done along those lines. So I'm, I'm glad that that you share of, of in, in this necessity, right, to think in terms of, um, in many ways, right, this pan-Latino identity, right, that that although we come from different places, but but there is a shared struggle, right, even 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 a shared um, identification marker, right? So I'm glad I'm glad you point to that. I want to want to also add yeah. how you know how Latinos we come together in times of crisis as well. Mm. Uh, when Maria hit, um, you know Puerto Rico, um, you know all different ethnic ethnicities came together, yeah. and we did you know we did drives for water for clothing, and we sent it out to Puerto Rico. Um, right before the pandemic, I did another drive with some of my colleagues uh, because of the earthquakes that were happening. In, in, in Puerto Rico as well. We did a drive. All different different ethnicities came. Um, when there was um, there was issues, that I, I believe that there was um, uh, there was flooding in the Dominican Republic. Um, you know, all different ethnicities got together to send uh, the essentials over to DR. Same thing to Mexico. Um, recently, there was something happening in Honduras. I know some of my colleagues. They got together and they formed drives to send the you know the essentials. Uh, to to Honduras, um, and so I, I do know that even though you know we have we, we have our own little uh, uh, countries, when we are in need, the Latino community as a whole comes together to help mm. out, regardless of what country you're in. Um, and, and I think that that's something um, that I cherish, uh, um, you know, um, from the Latino community. And I'm glad you're part of that work. It's it's really important work. I, I want to shift slightly um, as we speak about differences, but but obviously something shared. But I I I sense I think I think we all sense and we've all seen in many ways um, a, a certain ideological struggle that's occurring within the Democratic Party, and we see it at the national level, but but also here in New York City. I think in many ways New York City has been a base right for for a certain rise in in a specific political posture um and and here i i think specifically about um a progressive wing right of the democratic within the democratic party and and i think uh when i think about that wing we we mentioned the names of aoc right alexandria ocasio cortez um at least in the city and others that that are part of that wing, right? And identify themselves as being part of that wing. Then you have some others, right? That I think there's there's a moniker that's not been really um, established, right? Some say moderate liberals, others say establishment liberals, whatever, whatever we call that. But um, we see this divide, I think, more so in specific parts of Queens and Brooklyn. Now, interestingly enough, 
and I was looking at this as an analyst um, in the Bronx, um, starting with the the congressional race last year, and then also continuing this year with a special election in the for the 15th council district, um, the seat that Richie Torres held. Um, but last year we saw the candidacy of Samelis Lopez, for instance, where you know she ran for Congress for that position that Richie uh, won, and she was supported by DSA, the Democratic Socialist. She was actually supported by Bernie Sanders. Um, she was supported by AOC. She came in fourth place. Now, this year we saw the special again, uh, where also uh, Feliz won, pulled off the, a victory there. But we saw Elisa Crespo uh, run for office and was supported by a number of progressive groups. Um, she did not win. Um, Councilman, I'm wondering if, if you're there on the ground, uh, Bronx born and bred, um, and, and an important electoral official um, citywide. So I'm, I'm wondering if you are sensing any of those ideological struggles that we see in other boroughs. Um, are we seeing that in the Bronx? And specifically, do we see any of that uh, it, in Latino communities, in our Latino communities? So I'm wondering if, if that ideological struggle is, is something of a concern to Bronx Latinos. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> look, there, 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 there may be pockets in the borough of the Bronx who are more left wing, uh, you know, more left than others. Um, okay. Then there are other pockets in, in in the Bronx that are more moderate or more, you know, right wing. Um, but the far left wing pockets uh, that I'm seeing, like for example, the Mount Haven area, is a more gentrified area right? mm. where individuals are moving in. Um, so you may you may get that in, in, in those those parts of the districts uh, when the more when but and then when you come down to the South Bronx, you know, where it's from prominently Latinos and many Latinos who have been here for decades and decades. You know, it's um, look, honestly one of them. The times are changing. Um, we saw how the races, you know, we, we saw the, the, the how Richie Torres won that race. Right. Um, uh, and, you know, and he and he he went against heavy hitters, you know, and 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 and, and, and Congressman uh, Richie Torres pulled out a big victory uh, for him, and yeah. it was obviously a message that um, you know uh, Bronxites, at least in the South Bronx, um, they're ready for some type of change, um, but they want responsible change. They don't want a far left change. They don't want a far right change. Mm. There's there's time. It's time for new representation, and that's what I saw. Right, a new voice, but someone who is a common sense individual who understands the struggles that we're going through here in the Bronx. Um, you know, someone who understands that um, we need, we need to work with our police officers. You know, we, there needs to be a good communication between NYPD and the community so that we can address the violence that's in our communities. But also, you know, we don't want NYPD to abuse our communities, you know, um, yeah. and, and there needs to be a respect, a level of respect and understanding of our culture. Um, and, but, it, but it all depends on different parts of the district, you know, of, of the borough. Um, you know, you go more towards uh, the city island part of the district. They are more uh, conservative um, down there, you know. Um, and, and, and so then when you go to the west side of the, uh, of the Bronx, that's predominantly Dominicans, yeah, you know. And, yeah. and so um, and I can't talk about Dominican politics because I don't I, I'm not going to misrepresent it, um, you know. Uh, but I, I think a lot has to do with different parts uh, uh, of the community. And, and, we'll, and we'll tell by the election, you know, depending on what the issues are. 
um, you know, and, and, and what that individual stands for. And, and we saw, and I'm going to go back to Congressman Richie Torres' election. You know, Congressman Torres is a progressive, but he's also a common sense, you know, someone that understands the issues at hand at the time and knows how to, how to advocate to move them forward. Um, and, and so I think that we will know how different parts of the district are leaning based on the, the results of the election and those that are running and what their ideological uh, um, uh, agenda is. Yeah, Councilman, I'm glad you, you point to that because I, I, I'm also seeing it along the same lines. I believe that this election, not just in the Bronx, but also citywide, I think is gonna give us a clue as to where the democratic electorate stands when it comes to those that are um, on the on the very, you know, pr the progressive side of the ideological wing. Well, I'm thinking here, Diane Morales, right? I'm thinking here, Maya Wiley, uh, many of these progressive groups that have supported the AOCs, the Tiffany Cabans, et cetera, et cetera, um, you know, they're, they're, they're tending to tilt that way. But then you have the more Eric Adams, right? That, that uh, more uh, moderate wing, um, I call it a more pragmatic wing. Uh, and, and that's how I view Richie Torres. I, I call him a pragmatic progressive, right? Uh, so so I, I think that this, you're right, I think this election is going to tell us a lot about where the electorate stands, a democratic electorate, um, and their preferences along those ideological lines, but also among Latino communities. I, I think this, this will be a big test. For me, I still believe that at the end of the day, because of the Latino plight, right? Those things that our folk have to deal with on a daily basis. Um, I believe at the end of the day, it's all about bread and butter issues, right? Folks got to pay their rents on the first of the month. Folks got to put bread on, on their table every day. And, and, and these are issues that are of utmost importance, right? And, but, but I do sense what you're sensing. I think this election will will tell us a lot. And, and, and I think we'll see that in the, in the Bronx as well. But, but I'm grateful for your perspective that there is a multiplicity of, of views and stances depending on where you are in the Bronx, right? Where you're situated and even who's coming into the Bronx, right? Because I think that that will shape in many ways how things will be in, in five to 10 years. I think that's what's happening in Brooklyn and in parts of uh, Queens as well. So, um, I, again, thank you for that, that, that perspective. I, I mentioned something about issues and, and I'll end it here. Uh, but um, actually, before Councilman, I, I got to get this here before we do speak about um, some issues that, that may be of, of greater importance to uh, Bronx Latinos um, and, and what perhaps the next mayor should be looking at and tackling um, in his or her new administration. But Let's talk about the mayor's race real fast, um, um, not necessarily, uh, you know, pushing one candidate over the other, but but just looking at the overall perspective and and looking at the Latino vote and the Bronx being uh, a key place. Right. Again, uh, of all the boroughs in, in New York City, the, the Bronx has the most Latinos. And when we look at voting participation, Bronx remains number one among Latinos. Right. I mean, the presence is there and that cannot be discarded. How important do you feel 
will be the Bronx Latino vote when it comes to who the next mayor will be. Yes, I, I think I think you know it, it it will be a a game changer. You know, mm-hmm. uh, first we have to do we have to ensure that Latinos come out and vote. That's the first. You know, they need to come out and vote, um, and um, and they need to understand that. Um, the way we vote has changed now with ranked choice voting. Yes. You know, where they have different options on how they vote. Um, that, that's the first thing. Um, but but I but I also, you know, I'm, as I'm walking around, look, I'm, I'm, all these mayoral candidates are coming down to my part of the district. I have not made an endorsement yet. Okay. Um, and, but as I walk through the streets, I, I can tell you, um, not too long ago, I walked around with Yang and I saw the, you know, you know, the doñas that I, that I, I don't know where it came up. They recognize me and they recognize Yang, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that he, his name recognition a lot has to do is because he ran for, uh, for president. And so, you know, he was on TV, um, often, um, I went around with Eric Adams as well. And, 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 um, again, you know, Latino communities, they recognize him, um, as well. Um, I think that this, this mayoral election, uh, the the Latinos, if we come out and vote, we will play a role as to where, you know, where this mayor election is going to go. But but I can tell you about the issues that the Latino community are concerned on, and food insecurity in the borough of the Bronx is wow. one of is, is one of the main you know one of the issues. Safety, crime has risen in in in, in the Bronx, um, and and we're concerned about safety and and how how can we again how can we work with our communities. How can we work with PD? How can they properly patrol our communities and keep us safe without being overzealous um, in, in, in terms of that? Um, unemployment, employment, you know, um, unemployment was down, I think, lower than 5%. Um, I think, you know, the borough president, Ruben Diaz Jr., did a fabulous job working with the state and the city agencies and getting unemployment down. But since the pandemic hit, unemployment has risen, you know, over 15% in the borough of the Bronx. And so, um, unemployment is also a major issue uh, mm. uh, for Latinos and health disparities. You know, um, unfortunately, us Latinos, we like to eat a lot of greasy food, um, you know, fried food. Mm-hmm. And, um, and 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 because of that. We suffer from hypertension, diabetes, um, you know, heart disease, um, you know, our environment, asthma with the pollution in the air. So these are all issues that these mayoral candidates have to be paying attention to and have to be speaking on when they are doing interviews, especially in the Spanish channels, so that they can have that connection uh, with the Latinos and address and, and, and address those issues. And I think that um, that is what my community is, is looking at to see who's addressing those issues. Did you say food insecurity at the food beginning? Wow. Food insecurities. When, when the pandemic hit, um, you know, the supermarkets, you know, everyone, people were hoarding food, right? And individuals, the, the shelves were empty. That's, that's, that's just one issue. Um, when the pandemic hit as well, um, you know, um, the, the mayor, he, he, he opened up a food program where they were giving out free boxes of food. Um, and so I'm pretty sure you saw many elected officials, they were hosting uh, food drives. I was hosting food drives. Since the beginning of the pandemic, I've hosted over 70, um, 70, I'm getting to 75 food drives. And we fed over, we, we fed over uh, um, 65,000 uh, um, individuals. The lines did not get shorter. They, they continue to grow. Um, and I'm blessed because I, I represent Hunts Point. So I have access to um, the, the Hunts Point markets, the food market, the produce market, the fish market, the meat market. And they were able to donate. 
thousands and thousands and tons of pounds of fresh produce uh, wow. to the communities. And, you know, in talking to residents in my communities, that type of food, which is fresh produce, um, even though the, 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 the produce market is in our communities, they don't have access to it uh, because they just can't afford it. And so that's where we get into food insecurities. Um, and and that, that's something that needs to be addressed. Food insecurity goes hand in hand with our health. And, and, and it's important that these mayoral candidates pay attention to that and, and know that uh, pockets of the Bronx, such as mine, suffer from th- those issues. Wow. I'm glad you're on this. Uh, speaking of uh, this whole issue of food insecurity, it's, it's so surprising, right, that, that folks in New York City have to worry about that. But we are grateful that you're on it. Um, you're actually now headed to a, a food distribution. Um, and so you're on it. We're glad that you're doing the work that you're doing. Uh, you are an important voice, uh, especially in the city council um, at a pivotal time. And, and again, uh, we are grateful to you. Keep doing what you're doing. Uh, keep representing our, our pueblo. And uh, we wish you all the best. Councilman, you are the first uh, Latino elected official to join us on this new podcast. So we are honored to have you. You have broken ground today with us. Uh, and again, we wish you all the best in, in everything that you do. We're grateful for your voice. Thank you. Thank you. And, and, and thank you for uh, for inviting me. And thank you for highlighting the Latino community and the issues within you know, the Latino communities within our city government. Thank you, Councilman. Thank you. Until the next time. Again, we are grateful that we had uh, Councilman Rafael Salamanca with us, as he mentioned, the importance of voting among all groups and especially Latinos is very, very important. We remind you all that May 28th is the voter registration deadline. This is to register uh, to be able to vote in this uh, election cycle, the the Democratic primary, which is June 22nd. And the early voting period begins June 12th and goes through June 20th. There's still time to register. So if anyone out there listening has not registered uh, to vote in this year's Democratic primary, uh, you can still register to vote and you have until May 28th. Next week, we will have Assemblywoman Jessica Gonzalez Rojas as our next guest, and we will speak about Latino politics in the borough of Queens, a rapidly growing uh, Latino population uh, is evident in the borough of Queens, and that has meant uh, implications for Latino political representation there. So we will have her next week. We thank you for joining us on this episode of Latino Vote 2021.